This is part two of the copyright infringement series that I have promised you. In part one, I talked about what copyright infringement and content theft is, how even being a, an internet celebrity doesn't protect you from people stealing your content, and how there are people, and it comes from maybe sources you didn't expect, who believe that the internet is a content buffet that they can steal anything from. Welcome to the Goals, Profit, and Soul Business Show Podcast. I'm Jennifer Hoffman, founder of the GPS Business Academy, the premier business training and coaching company. Our focus is on the synergy of process and profits, strategy and soul. And we provide expert business advice, resources, and training for startups, restarts, and expanding empires. And we've been doing it since 2012. We specialize in teaching entrepreneurs how to create high-value, high-volume, high-growth businesses. I'm an eight-time best-selling author, radio host, globally recognized business and energy congruence expert. Thank you for joining me on this week's Goals, Profit, and Soul Business Podcast, and I hope you'll learn something that motivates, energizes, and supports your entrepreneurial ambitions. Let's get started. What do you do when you find out that someone has been stealing content from your website, blog, or products? You do have options and you need a plan. I've been through this and I can provide you with the information you need to proceed strategically and make sure your content thief gets the justice they deserve. This is part two of the copyright infringement and IP theft series that I am doing to alert you and my audience to the terrible problem of content theft and how we can work together to stop this. In part one of my series on copyright infringement and theft of intellectual property, what to do when people steal content from your website, your blog, your products and services, and I hope that it wasn't too depressing. I can tell you as the victim of a number of content thieves, the most uh, serious of which was someone who literally stole six months of content, an ebook, trademarked a phrase, and created an entire program for my content that she then proceeded to sell for several years, despite receiving a number of cease and desist letters. But I'll get that to that in part three. But what I want to make clear is that this issue of content theft is a really serious issue. As I said to you in part one, I heard from a noted internet marketer, someone who has thousands and thousands of followers, that he found out someone had literally copied his entire website and all of his service offerings and were offering them for sale. And he found out, as you will find out from your content theft by accident, as I also found out about my content theft. So you do have options, and I want to first stress that aside from being very angry and upset and feeling violated and taken advantage of, you need a plan and you need a strategic way of dealing with this issue, which we'll talk about in this particular segment. So how do you respond to content theft? Well, first, you're going to have an emotional response. You're going to be really angry, but 
you also need to respond legally because not only is this person stealing your content, they're using your content and profiting from it in their own business and that's fraud. So there are some things that you can do and I will tell you what I did. So this is based on my personal experience what I did when I had a content thief. And then in part three, I'm going to go through my entire experience with this person because as my IP lawyer said, it was the worst case of content theft he's ever seen. And this is what he does for a living. So what is content theft? So let's talk about someone taking content from your site. You own copyright to everything on your website, your books, your eBooks, your page content, your blog posts, your podcasts, you own that copyright. Whether or not you have registered it, you own original copyright and copyright is the right to copy. Unless you give someone a approval in a form of a written letter or they pay you for it, they buy a license, they do not have the right to use your content. And in fact, there are laws protecting you from someone who infringes on your copyrights or copies your material without your permission. Now, intellectual property theft is a relatively new term that deals with the theft of your intellectual property. So this is where that 20% rule goes out the window. There's a theory, in fact, somebody even told me that there was an actual website where you could enter some content, it would automatically change 20% of the words, and then you could use it and call it yours. That is totally bogus. Don't do that. It's wrong. The 20% rule, changing 20% of the content, merely protects someone from a charge of plagiarism, copying word for word someone's content as their own. This is what college kids do when they copy other people's writing. There is no 20% rule. And as I said to you in part one, this up-level you business owner said famously in a blog right before I caught her stealing my content, no one can steal your energy. So don't worry about it if they steal your work. Worst advice ever given to anyone on the internet in business or otherwise because not only does content theft steal your energy, it steals your work. It violates your ownership of your own ideas, of your energy, of the content, of the creativity that you bring to the world through your products and services. When your content is stolen, it is a violation of your personal space. It's a violation of your creativity. It's a violation of your energy. And it's a violation of your right to your own content. There are three things, first of all, that you can do to protect your content and to get advised of when someone is stealing your content. First is keep a record of what you write. So if you're like me, and I hope you are, you have a chronological record of everything you write. I've written well over 5,000 blog posts and articles. I've written eight best-selling books. I have a well-documented archive of everything I've written. That means all my articles that by date are in my archive. They are in separate folders. It's backed up multiple times. So I can refer to a phrase, I can refer to an article, and I can pull up that article. I can also pull up everything that has used that phrase. For example, the phrase becoming 360 is from my writing. 
So I can go into my archive, I can type in Becoming 360, and I can find articles that go back as far as 2011 in which I use the phrase Becoming 360. In part three, you'll find out why that phrase is important. So you need to keep your content, keep a record of what you write, and you should be doing this anyway. Your blog posts are valuable content, they're valuable material. You might want to put those together and use them in a book or create a course from them or create another product from them. So you need to be keeping your blog post organized and saved somewhere where you can access them. Number two, now this may seem a bit sneaky, but it actually is important. Get on other people's email lists and take a note of what they're writing about. One of the ways that I found out about my, one of my content thieves, the worst one, is I was on her email list. And I had gotten on her list because I had caught her stealing content from me, little things. She referenced one time, and I don't remember where I saw this. I think somebody may have sent it to me because I have a very large following, a very large readership that knows my work quite well because they've been following me for a long time. And I had referred in on a blog post in my radio show way back like in 2012, I think, this method of using a dimmer switch to turn your energy up and down. Well, my reader wrote to me and said, hey, I heard this person mention this dimmer switch and she was using the exact same example that you did. Well, I knew that that content came from me. So I got on her mailing list. And it doesn't mean you have to get on their mailing list and thoroughly read every single email. It just means get on their mailing list and see what they're writing about. See when they announce a new course, pay attention to the words they use, and you can just take a few seconds and go through their emails. If you suspect them of copying content from you, then you need to be on their, their mailing list. And also, the people who steal content from you will be stealing content from others as well. So you might catch them stealing content from others. And the third is important, know your rights, which we'll discuss in this episode, and follow up with all of your copyright infringers. If you don't follow up with a cease and desist letter or with some kind of communication, letting them know that you know they're stealing your content, they have 24 hours to take down the post, and you follow up with a cease and desist letter, the best ones come from attorneys because they carry more weight, then you give up your right to your content. It's just like having a trademark and registering that trademark. If you don't protect your trademark and follow up with people who misuse it or abuse it or who use it without your permission, then you lose the right to your trademark. It's the reason, for example, Kleenex is actually part of the general vocabulary, even though it is a registered trademark for a product, but because the company didn't really protect their trademark, they allowed it to be misused. If I say, I'm going to get a Kleenex, you know exactly what I'm talking about when it's actually the trademark is Kleenex brand tissues. So if you have a trademark and you've registered that trademark, you still need to protect it from people who are either using it without your permission or using it in their own business. So you really need to follow up. Also, there's such a thing as a statute of limitations. So there is a definite period from the time you notice the infringement until, I think it's about three years, it depends on your country and certainly what kind of infringement it is and if there are other ancillary charges like fraud. 
But it takes about three years. So if you don't follow up pretty soon and you let that statute of limitations go by, then you lose the right to sue. All right, so let's look at the first thing, cataloging your blog posts and articles, making sure that you're saving them in order. If you look at my hard drive for my articles, and I started writing in 2004, I have a year for 2004 through 2020, and then in all of those, I have separate folders for the month, and then in every one of those is an article, is a Word document that I used to write that article. Now, just as an aside here, there's a reason why I write everything in a Word document and then I copy it to my website. And I'm going to share that with you because this might be a handy tip for you at some place down the road. So when I first started writing, it was in 2004, we still used dial-up modems. Constant Contact was the only email service provider that was organized as an email service provider. And I was one of their first customers. And I used to write my newsletter on Sunday evenings. And at the time I was writing a four part newsletter. So I was writing the newsletter and I would send it off. And then I would copy some of that to my website. At the time you didn't have blogs. I just had a separate post on my website that I would copy things to. And at this particular day, I was writing in my newsletter. So in constant contact, then I was just about finished with the fourth article and I lost my modem connection and I lost the entire newsletter. Now I had been writing the newsletter like this for months, never had a problem. But as soon as that happened, I started writing the newsletter articles in Word first, and then I would copy them to constant contact. And then I would save the Word document. So I have a copy of every single article that I've ever written in a Word document. There's another reason to do this as a Word document. When you create a Word document or any kind of document, it gets a date and time stamp as the, of the original date and time of creation. That's how you can prove that the content was originally yours because it will be in a document that is originally date and time stamped with the time and date that you created it. So that's why you should catalog everything. Use your, a word processing system. I, I use Microsoft Word because I'm a PC user, but make sure that you're writing your articles out and saving them and then making sure they're organized and cataloged in a way that you can search them. How do you find content thieves? Well, I have always gotten either notification from users, my readers, or I have kind of found it, it just fell in my lap, like this email that I received that said this person had just copied six months worth of content and put it in their program. One thing you can do is look at their websites, look at their blog posts, listen to their podcasts, you know, just see if they are using your content. Another is to use plagiarism finder websites. And these are in use usually by college professors who want to make sure that their students aren't copying other people's work. And if you go to a plagiarism site and you just enter a few words or a sentence or so, it will scour the internet. And if there is a blog post or any of your content on the internet, it will find it. And that's a really handy tool to use. But also listen to what people tell you. So if somebody writes to you, as has happened to me several times, and says, hey, I saw your content on somebody else's site. Follow up. Go look at the site. Thank your reader for their information. But also follow up. Go look at the site. See if it is actually your content. 
And the other is to pay attention to what people in your space are doing and writing. If you start hearing about content that's very similar to yours or unique ideas that other people are talking about and you trace them back to someone and realize, hey, that's my idea. Well, that was my writing. And, you know, when it comes to a really original idea, you can tell when it's yours. You know. Trust your intuition, too. If your intuition tells you, hey, that's your content and they're stealing it from you, then you need to follow up. So what do you do when you find it? Oh, I'll tell you, you're going to be so angry and feel violated and you're going to be upset and you're going to want to dash off an angry email to the perpetrator. But you need to do a few things first. So you have to resist the urge to write to them and tell them what you think of their being a content thief and that they're using your content and how dare you. That's very tempting, but don't do that just yet. The first thing you need to do is to gather evidence. Go to their website or blog, find the page that has your content. If it's a podcast, download the podcast, put it in a special folder on your computer. You need evidence, you need proof. And the best way to get it is from their blog or website. There's a couple reasons for this. One is because when they post a page on their blog or their website, or they post a page anywhere, it's marked with a date and time stamp. You don't see it, but it can be requested as evidence if you go to court. But what you can do is print off the page that the content is on. Did you know that you can actually print off pages of website? You sure can. Go to the upper right-hand corner where you see the three horizontal bars on Chrome or on Firefox. Click on that. Let the menu open. Click on print. And then when the print menu opens, click on print to PDF. It will save it as a PDF file, which has a date and time stamp. Now you've got proof that you found that content on that day. And if you've got your Word document, you can prove first use. You can prove, hey, I wrote this in 2011. Then why is it appearing in on their site and their claiming trademark in 2012? And if they use the exact same wording, which my content thief did, then you have further proof, but you need proof. So before you write off a, a letter, get the proof, get the copies of the page the way that it is. And this is another reason why it's important to not dash off an angry email because you want to get the proof before they have a chance to change it. Print off the website, print it to a PDF, save it on your computer or save it on your hard drive, and then look around for other examples of content that because here's the problem. If they're stealing from you, they're stealing from other people. And if they've stolen one thing, they've probably stolen other things as well. And it's in your best interest to get as much proof as you can. And I know this may seem like, oh, I don't have time for this. I'm running a business. I just don't want to do this. I want to believe that people are honest. Well, I want to believe that people are honest too. But I also know that they're not, at least not all of them are not, but some of them are extremely dishonest and you need to protect yourself from those. Find the content, get the proof, and then take some action. So there are several things you can do, and this is better coming from an attorney. They will pay attention to a letter from an attorney. Hire an attorney to write a cease and desist letter. It'll cost you 
maybe $200 to write a cease and desist letter. It depends on the attorney. It really just needs to be on attorney letterhead and the attorney needs to write the letter. They're pretty standard. They basically tell the person, you're doing something illegal. You're stealing something from me. You cease and desist doing this right now. And then you can also have in there that they need to take the content down. The thing is you have rights to your content and your intellectual property. And you have exclusive rights to your content and your intellectual property. That doesn't mean people aren't going to try and violate those rights. It means that you are in the right. You have the right to your content. They do not without your permission. So you already have a position of power because you have the right to your own content. Once you've sent a cease and desist letter, then you have the other option of going to court, of filing a lawsuit, of getting them involved in a suit, of having them pay you for the use of your content. Now, if this is just being used in a blog, a cease and desist letter is probably enough. If somebody has actually copied your content, sold your content, included it in a book, included it in a program, used it in their business somehow where they actually made money from it, now you've got far more serious charges. You have fraud charges. You sued them for grand larceny. They made over $2,500. There are a lot of other charges that you could consider if they've actually sold the program. If it's just a blog post, then stop them from stealing your content by having an attorney write a letter and also insisting that they take the content down. But if, as one of my content thieves have done, if they've actually used it in their business, now the charges are far more serious. Don't back down. I know it's a terrible feeling when somebody steals your content. The, the very first time I remember someone stealing my content, this must have been like in 2005. I had one of my readers email me and say, hey, I found your article on this website. And I looked at the website and sure enough, some guy had completely copied an entire article, put it on his website and claimed it as his. Now, because it was just a blog, I sent him an email and I said, hey, that's my content. You either need to give me attribution which means you include my name as the author and a working link back to my website, which was part of my content sharing instructions, or you take it down and you've got 24 hours. He took it down. In the 90s when I was working at a technical consulting company, I remember I used to follow Susan Miller, the astrologist. Every month I would look at her website and read my horoscope and I did this religiously every month. And one day I was searching on something else and I, I was searching on Susan Miller. I wanted to see if she was on any other websites. And I see this website based in India that had copied her entire website. All of her horoscopes were copied on this website. So I sent their support staff an email and said, hey, you need to look at this website. They copied your entire website. And it, it didn't have her name on it anywhere, but I knew the horoscopes because I had just read them. This is pretty pervasive. And while you can't stop all of the content theft, I think there were some people who were just going to get by with it, you can at least stop the worst of it. Now, depending on what someone steals from you, they can disrupt your entire business. The person who stole this whole Becoming 360 concept from me disrupted my business. 
Not only did she trademark it, she created a program with six months of my content that I then had to out her publicly to be able to use my own content. I had to tell everyone in my hundreds of thousands of followers between my mailing list and my social media presence, I just told everybody who she was, what she had done, and that the content was actually mine and I could prove it, but she was selling content that belonged to me and just to let them know that if they purchased this program, they were purchasing stolen content. Even though you're going to be angry and upset, don't ignore the fact that depending on how much content is stolen, somebody can actually create quite a disruption in your business, which is unfair to you and it's unfair to your client. Here's the other sidebar to this. When somebody steals your content, if they try, as my egregious content thief has done before, if they try and alter it in some way, what they'll do is they'll end up misrepresenting it or they'll present it wrong or they will try and put their own spin on it while keeping the original context because they really like the idea and they'll try and put their spin on it and the whole thing will come out sounding just odd and completely wrong. That's the part that makes me really angry too because I put out what I believe is very accurate and important information that helps a lot of people and a lot of people look to me as a trusted source of information. So when I see my content twisted around so that it doesn't even look like it's supposed to and it's completely wrong, that makes me angry too. So you aren't breaking the law if you out this person. You aren't doing anything wrong. They have stolen content from you and your people deserve to know that and you deserve the vindication as well. If you haven't yet listened to the first part of this series on copyright infringement and theft of intellectual property, please go back to part one so that you can get more informed on what I'm talking about, but also what this means to content creators, bloggers, you know, creatives, people steal art, they steal images and things like that. All of that becomes a black spot on the ability of content creators to create content. If you know you're creating content and you're really putting your heart and soul into it only to have somebody steal it and use it in their own business, and if it happens again and again, pretty soon you're not gonna wanna create content anymore. It's really going to put a damper on your ability to continue to churn out content and to do it in a meaningful way if you know that somebody's just literally mining your website as my main content thief has done for years, mining your website, looking for things they can use in their business. What I've covered in this part two of copyright infringement and IP theft is how to respond to content theft. The things that you can do to protect your content and get advised of who is stealing from you. One is to keep a record of what you write. Make sure that you've documented and archived all of your articles, and that's easy to do. Just write them in a Word document and save that on your hard drive. And please make sure you're always backing up your hard drive. Number two is to get on others' email lists and take note of their content, especially people you suspect of stealing content from you. And number three, know your rights and follow up with all infringers. Unfortunately, if you don't follow up and you don't respond, then the courts could see that as you're allowing it, then you don't have a case against them. 
And the other thing is when you find someone, avoid sending off an angry email, even though you're going to be very angry. Avoid sending off an angry email until you have a chance to gather the evidence because you're going to need evidence. When you go to an attorney, the first thing they're going to ask you is, okay, where's your evidence? What evidence do you have that you were the original creator of the content and that they actually stole the content from you, which means they put it on their blog, they use it in their podcast, they put it on their website somewhere, it's in their book, that you need to have proof of that. And you can find it very easily. As I said, everything on the internet is date and time stamped. So if you write an article and six months later, you find the article in their program on a sales page, you have absolute proof that this is what happened, especially as in my case, the person just copies your content word for word. So you are going to be angry. And this is a terrible thing. And the reason I'm producing this series is to advise the internet, advise content creators of the terrible problem of having your content stolen, how it's being done by people that you wouldn't expect would do it. I'm talking about authors, business coaches, consultants, business advisors that are stealing other people's content and using it in their business. It's wrong, it's illegal, it's unfair, it's unethical, and it hurts content creators across the board. So when you find it, know your rights. I talked about those. Get the proof, get an attorney, and take action, starting with the cease and desist letter. So that's part two where I talk to you about how you can protect yourself from content theft and then what you do if that happens. And as far as protecting yourself, I'm sorry to say that there's really no way to totally protect yourself from someone stealing your content. In this case, imitation is not flattery and it is not a good feeling to, again, go on the internet and there's your content in somebody else's program or on somebody else's website. There are things that you can do to at least protect yourself and stop the content thief. And I outlined those. And then in part three, I'm going to share with you my experience of having my content not only stolen, but used in a program illegally trademarked and sold for a number of years under different websites. And I'll talk about that. How devious this person was by someone who is a self-proclaimed up-level you business coach. So that's going to be in part three. Stay tuned for that. As difficult as the topic is to talk about, I hope that this series will help you protect your content, claim your copyrights, protect yourself from the theft of your intellectual property so that you can use your creative content in your own business. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Goals, Profit, and Soul Business Show podcast. I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode and that it has inspired, motivated, and energized you. Please subscribe, give it a like, and a review. Your acknowledgement helps others find us and get the information they need to turn those business dreams into an entrepreneurial reality. Join us each week for a new episode, and I look forward to our next time together. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Goals, Profit, and Soul Business Show podcast. I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode and that it has inspired, motivated, and energized you. Please subscribe, give it a like, and a review. Your acknowledgement helps others find us and get the information they need to turn those business dreams into an entrepreneurial reality. Join us each week for a new episode, and I look forward to our next time together.